0: Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. church again. We're honored to be back with you all tonight. What a great morning we had, and a good afternoon. mean, the boys got out to make a, the most beautiful snowman you've ever seen. So his arms were crooked and he had pretzels for eyes, but we we did it and he, he's looking good. So we had a good fun afternoon and we're glad to be back here tonight. While I give you some more information about South Africa, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. That's where I'll be preaching tonight, 1 Samuel. But this morning I give you a little, a little story about us and some different things we experienced. But South Africa is a country of about 1.2 million people and it's growing fast as well. But a large percentage of those, large percentage of those people do not live in the city limits, I guess you could say, of Port Elizabeth. Majority of them, 80% of them are black, South African, closest speaking people, and they live in what is called townships. I think, I think I saw a township here, like Lordstown Township or something. So here you guys kind of understand the idea of a township. It's not the big city, but it's the area surrounding it. And so back in the apartheid days, the black South Africans had to live in these townships. They were not allowed to enter the city limits. They were not considered citizens of South Africa. They had to have passports just to go to work every single day. And so they were not treated very fair at all. This is back in the mid-90s. Many of you know these stories. And so as the government started to fall and started to become more inclusive, the blacks now are in control of all the government. Nelson Mandela... Is a name you probably have heard of, first black president. And so now the, the, the problem is they have a new government. They have, blacks are allowed to vote. And there's a lot of freedoms there for them that they've never had before. But they still live in these townships. They still live in these shack houses or these small concrete houses the government has built for them. And there's not a lot going for these people. As I said this morning, in some areas it's up to 50% unemployment, even higher um, 25% of all black South Africans have HIV or AIDS and just the stats go on and on and on of all the things that are in South Africa. But the, the biggest issue obviously is if you, if you asked a, uh, I don't know if you asked a, just a Christian in name people or a group, what countries are reached? I've seen it a lot. And they'll say, well, America's reached. They'll say Canada's reached. And they'll even throw in South Africa. They'll say South Africa is a reached nation. And don't 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 get me wrong, there are churches there. There's some great churches there, but it's not anywhere near reached. And I know you've had a couple of missionaries come in here, praise the Lord for those men. They're doing great works, got churches planted and started. But I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, the church that we're looking to plant is a thirty minute drive from the nearest Back gospel preaching church and these are people who do not drive so there's no way they could get to any of these churches so honestly a missionary told me this when i got there and it's i found it to be true you could go to port elizabeth and throw a rock and wherever that rock lands there's where they need a church and so we're excited to get back to south africa as soon as we can and get a church planted in motherwell and so if you're with me here in in um what did i say first samuel good job just checking to make sure you knew First Samuel chapter 12. Uh, we're not gonna, I don't wanna read all these, all the scripture here. 25 verses we have here. I'll pick some of these verses out. But here this evening we have Samuel, I'm sorry, yeah, Samuel kinda giving his last message, preaching his last message before he passes away here. We see that Israel's decided that they wanted a king. We see that Samuel was not happy with that decision. And before he passes away, He wants to let the people understand and to know that they must continue to keep God number one. To keep God number one. And he uses some words here, all summed up in verse 24, which is my life verse, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And it says, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. And if you were to sum up chapter 12 into one verse, that's your verse right there. And so Samuel begins here in verse 1 and 2, and he says, And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. You know that he really means that. Of course, his mother gave him to the priest, Eli, and he was literally raised in Church to, 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 to be the prophet for his people, be the priest for his people, and so as we move on, I want you to look with me in verse six. Samuel's trying to get the people to understand. In verse twenty-four, he says, "Consider how great things he hath done for you." Samuel takes verses six through about verse fourteen and starts to recite the history of to the Israel people. Verse six, and Samuel said unto the people, "It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt." Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. Church, tonight I want to preach to you a little bit about how we must be reminded about the things that God's done for us. We must rebel not against the things God's done for us, and we must return to him. This morning, I just want to preach to you about those three points quickly that we find here in this chapter. I won't take too much time. If you've ever heard a preacher say that he won't take too much time, you know that that's probably a lie. But I really and try not to take too much time tonight. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. But let's go into the Lord in prayer and we'll just jump into what the Lord has for us. Dear Father God, thanks so much for the opportunity to be here, Lord. Thank you for this pastor and this, the Rice is God, especially, that have been so nice to our family. And thank you for this church and for their, their just the, so many nice people we've met this week. I pray you continue to bless this church as they move forward towards you. They've got a great goal given to them before Easter comes, God. And I pray you would help them as they try to do this, Lord, as they try to fast and pray and, and move forward getting these uh, door hangers passed out telling people about Jesus Lord I pray you continue to bless them as they move forward with that but tonight Lord I pray you would help me fill me and use me God help me not to say anything need not be said this evening I'm going to be clear concise in my speech and the message you've given me and I pray for the people to be attentive and to listen if there's one here lost tonight God I pray you'd help them to see their lost state help us to continue to glorify you with our lives in Jesus Christ's name I pray Amen and Amen So in verse 14, if you would look with me, Samuel's, Samuel, yeah, Samuel. I might say Solomon a lot too, okay? So forgive me. Samuel is who we're going to be talking about, even if I do say Solomon. But in verse 14, he says, If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both you and also the King that reigneth over you continue continue following the Lord your God. Samuel was obviously against the whole idea of a king. The Israelites, uh, if you look in chapter 11, we'll see that the Amorites have come again to attack, and the people are scared, and what do they do? Instead of going to God, they go to Samuel and say, we got to be like the Amorites and the Philistines and all these other countries. We're missing one thing that they have that we don't have. Samuel's trying to get them to understand, you do have one thing they don't have. You have God. But they say, no, we want a king. Samuel is 100% against this idea, but God allows them to get what they want. Samuel was against this idea, but he had hope and he was trying to get these people to understand that they must continue to serve God. They've been given what they want, but they must continue to serve God. One of the best ways to help us to continue to serve God with our life is to remember the things He's done for us. And in verse... In verse 6 through 14 through 15, he's trying to remind the people about how good God is, about how good he's been to them. I said in Sunday school this morning again, we could talk all morning, all day, and me and my wife could get up here and give testimony after testimony about what God's done for us over these past couple of years in South Africa. But we see in chapter 11, King Saul had won a great victory over the Amorites, and the people were ecstatic and excited that their king has taken them. And defeated the Amorites. And Samuel's getting them to understand, look, it wasn't your king that did it. It was your God. It was your God. Understand not put your trust in the king, but continue to put your trust in God. They won the battles before Saul and they'll continue to win the battles after Saul. It was God the whole time. Just continue to trust Him. At times we have success in our life. I was youth pastor and half slash assistant pastor. I tell people I wasn't assistant pastor. I was the assistant to the pastor. And there's a big difference there. So I I remember working on staff in my church before we ever did deputation or anything. And I remember praying with people and taking prayer requests of different people asking God for a better job. I don't know how many times I helped someone pray that they would get a new job or a better job, but they got laid off or fired and they're trying to find a new job. And we would pray and God would answer that prayer and give them a job. And that's that same job that kept them out of church for the, for, as the future came on. And it's funny how we allow those things to get between us and God. We see here that sometimes in our life we make accomplishments. We rise up in the company or we rise up in the classroom. We begin to trust a little bit, take our eyes a little bit. A little, it always is a little bit at a time. Take our eyes off the Lord. We don't realize and we forget what He's done for us. And and, and we begin to trust in ourselves And we begin to have a little bit of pride in our life. Samuel mentions the name of the Lord around 30 times in this passage. Around 30 times he's trying to get them to remember over and over again, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. To remind them that it's all about God and He is preeminent. God proved Himself. If you look in verse 16, it says, Now therefore stand and see, this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and He shall send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. It is not supposed to rain at the time of harvest at this time period in Israel. It's not supposed to rain at all. It's the harvest time, but yet God, but Samuel proves to these people again, God can do whatever He wants, and He is in control. He is preeminent above all things, and the reason why I have to, this is Samuel saying the reason why I have to preach this message to you is because it seems you've forgotten that He is preeminent. He's the one we serve. At times we've got to be reminded and remember what He's done for us, so we can be better servants to Him. Do you remember today? Are you reminded of the things that He's done for you? Of the things that He's done for you? I, I was saved at six. I think I said this morning, saved in vacation Bible school. Grew up in church. Grew up in a good home. My parents had me in church every week. I remember when I was younger, my dad would have prayer time with us. He would go over his Bible studies with us. So I wasn't raised up in some, uh, you know, sinful home with drunken parents. That's not my story. But I was raised up in church, but around the age of 15, 16, 17, I began to slowly, like I said already, slowly step away from the Lord. I was playing high school football in my high school, Maryville High School, where I'm from. We, we, when I played there, we were always ranked in the top 15 teams, not in the state of Tennessee, in the nation. We we they won. We won over 70 games we, without losing. And long story short, Maryville High School football is very big in Maryville, Tennessee. That's what it's all about. And if you're on the team, that's what life is about. So I began to find myself so focused on football and friends, I like to say, that everything else took a back seat. School took a back seat. Of Course, church took a back seat. Bible time took a back seat. Prayer time. And I began to find myself following after these things instead of following after the Lord. But when I got out of high school and I began to go back into church, my pastor set me down one day. And the reason why I was going back to church pastor is because there was a young girl there that I wanted to see. And so that's really the main reason why I wanted to go back. And she's my wife now, so that worked out. But I I went back to see her. And so I was going back to church a little bit, trying to see if we could become friends again. And so I remember my I was at church one day, and my pastor sat me down and said, Josh, I want you to know that I've not given up on you. And if I've not given up on you, that means God's not given up on you, because I'll give up on you way before he does. And just that sentence, just that 10 seconds it took him to say that changed my life. I realized that he was exactly right. And I began to come to church for the right reasons, not just for Megan. And I began to read my Bible again. I began to just, almost in a quick turnaround, I rededicated my life to God. And before I knew it, six months later, I was going to Bible college. I was going to South Africa on a a missions trip. If I think about what God's done for me and I remember those things, what a great God I serve, amen? What a good God he's been. Second of all, if you're with me, let's go back to verse 14. First of all, we said, if we're going to continue to serve God, we must remember and be reminded of the things He's done for us. Second of all, we must rebel not against Him. That's what I did. I rebelled against Him. But if you look at me in verse 14, it says, if you will feel the Lord, fear, I'm sorry, if you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord. As humans, and I think as Americans as well, think I think our culture has something to do with this especially if you're from south of the Mason-Dixon line but I'll add Ohio to what I'm about to say because I think it's the same we do not like being told what to do right we've got a presidency and a government that likes to tell us what to do and we got a lot of people in America who don't like to hear it right it's so funny when you go to South Africa those people will do whatever the president says and I'm serious if the president got up and said he literally said this he got he got up and said while we're in quarantine. No alcohol for six weeks, which, of course, was great for us. We don't want them to sell alcohol. But all the people there were like, okay. And nope, there was no fight. There was no anger. All the South Africans were just like, okay. And they didn't sell alcohol for six weeks. I can just imagine what the Americans would say if the president tried to pull that, right? We don't like being told what to do. And as we begin to serve God, we have a self-freedom and a self-will to understand me. God has made us all different. We have different likes and he made us certain ways. Don't, don't uh, under, uh, misunderstand what I'm trying to say. But we have a God who has a clear life plan for us. And at times, Josh gets in the way and doesn't want to do, wants to rebel against this and that, right? Amen? And again, we're all like that. We're human. That's how we are. We don't like being tell, told, tailed. I'm from Tennessee. We don't like being tailed what to do, right? Israel in Egypt cried out to the Lord for help. He sent them Moses and Aaron, we saw in verse 8. God delivered His people and took them from Canaan and gave them victory over, their, over the people of that land, gave them uh, the Canaan land. And once they got into the land, they began to slowly but surely compromise on their faith and joined in worshiping false gods and so on and so on. And God had to discipline them. So in verse 12, it says, and when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when when the Lord your God was your king. So in verse 12, we see that the people are like, hey, we're in trouble again. we got to get a king. we got to get a king. They exchanged leadership of God and protection of God for the leadership and protection of a man. Of a man. Now, I've got a, a good wife. A good-looking wife, I think. Beautiful wife who's been good to me, great mother, great wife. So let's say I go to my wife. I've been married, we've been married 10 and a half years, and I say, Megan, you've been a great wife. Done pretty much everything I've asked. You followed me to South Africa. You followed me in everywhere that I feel like the Lord has called us. you raised our kids the right way. I've decided I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to marry the snowman that me and the boys made earlier this week, or earlier today, outside at the Rices House. You guys can go see that beautiful work. If you want to go to this week, and I said, Megan, I'm leaving you, I'm going to take the snowman. Or it's just called a snow woman, okay? I'm going to take the snow woman. So it's like I've turned my back on my wife, who actually gives a lot to me, and it means a lot to me, and has a lot of uh, a value to me, and exchanging her for the snow woman who was going to melt probably tomorrow afternoon, right? That's what Israel has done to God. In our, in our life, at times, we do the same thing God, I know you saved me. I know you've got a life for me, but I'm going to do what I want to do anyways. We, we can be like that at times. That's exactly what the Israel, Israel, Israelites are doing here. Instead of trusting in God, they exchanged it for the leadership and protection of a man. How many times have we done the same thing? Instead of looking to God, we go to ourselves, we go to our job, go to our bank account, we go to our government, maybe not Ohioans and Tennesseans, but a lot of times we go to our government We look for things or stuff or whatever it is to fulfill us. If I'm trusting in myself, when me and they can get to South Africa, back to South Africa, if I'm trusting in myself to plant this church and get it built and get it people coming in and training people, if I'm trusting in myself to do that, I'll probably be back here this time next year, right? I'm not going to go very far. I can't do it. I can't do it. I learned that when we were in language school. I remember looking over at my language school teacher and saying. I can't do this. We're going to have to find something else to do with my life because I can't do this. But once I begin to start trusting in the Lord, begin helping us, of course, if I'm trusting in myself, we're not going to get much done on the mission field. It's the same here for every Christian. Who are you trusting today? In yourself? Many times we trust. I find this so interesting. As I said, I worked in church, so I know what it's like to work with Americans and South Africans. A lot of times Americans, we we, we know we're saved. We know we're not going to hell. We know that God has miraculously saved us with his cross and by the shedding of his blood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We know that he can keep us out of hell and we're never going to go there. But yet when it comes to the electric bill, we lose our minds. What are we going to do? Even me, I lose my keys. And I'm thinking, Megan, I don't know if we're going to make it to tomorrow. We can't find the keys, right? Or the kids, we got one shoe. Where's the other shoe? I don't know. It's probably still back in Tennessee, right? You're probably, I think you're like, maybe I'm not the only crazy one in here, but we do that. Little things get us turned off from God. And we just sabotage ourselves because of our anxiety or because our whatever, fill in the blank for whatever it is. Because we lost the car keys. We 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 we've now totally off serving the Lord. It happens. Like Pastor said this morning in his message, talking about the disciples, when they got up to cast out that evil spirit, who were they trusting in? It wasn't working very well, so they were trying to do it within themselves. It's like the pastor said, they were saying the right thing probably, doing the right hand motions and all that, but it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And Christian life can be the same way. I'm doing what You said, God. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm I'm going to church. I'm doing what You said, but it seems like it's not working. Got to have continue to have trust in Jesus Christ and not, you know, what, missionary Kevin Hall said this one time, and it's it stuck in my mind forever. He says, when you are, he might have said it when he was here, so <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> he probably preached the message on it. But he said, when you are in high school and it's time to take a test, the teacher is quiet. She's not going to give you any answers. Trust me, I tried asking the teacher during the test. Give me, please, what is number three? I can't figure it out. But right? she's not going to tell you. Or that, that teacher's not going to tell you. He's quiet during the test. God's the same way. During the test, he's, at times He can be quiet. We must continue to do what we know is right. We must continue to do what we know is right. Where are you at tonight in your life? Where are you at tonight? Are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in Christ? Are you rebelling against the things He's told us to do? Or are you going to continue to serve Him even when it gets difficult? Even when it gets hard? Jump with me to verse 21 and 22. Let's just start in verse 20. Let's read verse 20 as well. And Samuel said unto the people, fear not. It's funny because he has told us three times already to fear the Lord. And now in verse 20, he's telling us to fear not. So learn to fear God and also not to fear anything else. Amen. Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn ye not aside, for then should you go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Thirdly, church, first of all, we said we've got to remember what He's done for us. Second of all, we must rebel not against the things He's asked us to do. And thirdly, tonight maybe we must return back to Him. Maybe that's you tonight. It's got to return back to the Lord. Maybe tonight you need to turn to Him. You've never turned to Him. you never accepted Him. You've just come in every week and you've just are gone through the motions, but you've never accepted Him. Maybe that's you tonight. But here in verse 21, He says, And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver for they are vain. As a preacher, I'm supposed to take that verse and expound it to you, but this is a super easy one because it just says what it says. Don't go after vain things because they cannot profit you. That is some. That is a, a, a an awesome exposition right there. I should write a book right there on that. Hey man, it's simple. Don't go after vain things because there's no profit to you. Going after vain things because there's no profit. To you. It's about as plain as you can get, and there's not much to expound. You just got to do it. I've just got to do it. I look at back on my life at the times where I was self focused, self reliant. Going back to those high school years where I was so focused on things that I was doing, found myself focused on friends and football, like I said. But guess what? Friends go off to college and football ends. In, 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 in the season of 2008, they were screaming my name as I run onto the field. In the season of 2009, I wasn't there anymore and they were screaming somebody else's name. It was almost as if they forgot I even played football for them. That's what I felt like anyway. What happened is I began to fill myself with things that were vain. There's not a soul in Maryville, Tennessee, maybe besides my mom and dad. My wife don't even care about my football stories. But there's besides my mom and dad, there's not a soul in Maryville, Tennessee that remembers or cares that Josh Sullivan had this many sacks or this many tackles or whatever it was in from 2005 to 2008. Nobody cares. It's vain. I was putting my faith and my trust into something that doesn't even matter anymore. Right? Had no profit in that. Verse 22 says... For the Lord will not forsake his people. Amen. For his great namesake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. And you know, it's an amazing verse. Even though I was backslid on the little God saved, but backslid, not doing what he asked me to do, rebelling against his word, not even going to church. What I was right here in verse 22. That was, He was pleased. I know we're talking about the Jewish people here. Don't, I don't understand that. This is for the Jews, written to the Jew. But I can apply that to my life. God is pleased that He had made me, saved me. God is pleased in that. Praise the Lord that even though I turn my back on Him, He's right there to take me back. Praise His name. We can turn to Him because He, even though I've wronged Him, He will never wrong me. Even though I've turned my back on Him, He will never turn on me. Praise His name. When we consider the great things that God has done for us, how can we do anything other than fear Him thank Him, and serve Him in truth with all of our days. With all of our days. What else is there to do? Matthew Henry, the commentator, says, whatever we make a God of, we shall find it to deceive us. Very true. There are things that are good in their own places. Telephones are a good device that have been created. Internet, for the most part, is a good thing that has been created. Facebook and Twitter are good things that can be used to spread the Gospel I think this very night we're probably on Facebook using it for good to try to get this church the message spread out. Amen. The gospel spread out. We see here that sports can be a good thing. Now that my boys are starting to get older, I can share that with them. I'm of course a Titans fan and a Vols fan. Even though the Vols had a terrible season, but I still can find enjoyment in that. There's that's a that can be a good thing. We see here that Sports can be a good thing. David is in swimming and he loves it. It goes twice a week. And Silas just started karate and he's already a kung fu master, right? Those are fun things that me and my family do. Good things. But when we take those things and we make them preeminent over the things of God, they become idols in our life. They can become idols in our life. When we replace Him. just like Matthew Henry said, whatever we make a God of, we shall find it to deceive us. If we allow these things, whether it be phone or Internet or Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, it could be TV, Fox News, whatever, sugar, amen, Coke, Diet Coke, praise the Lord for Diet Coke. We don't have good Diet Coke in South Africa, so I'm drinking every can that I can get my hands on till April, praise the Lord. But understand that whatever we make a God of, we shall find it to deceive us. Football was my life in high school. It took me out of church, took me away from my Bible, took me away from God. And I was left empty. Hopefully tonight you don't have that same testimony that I do, but there may be in here that we find ourselves in that situation. We've allowed work, we've allowed job, we've allowed hunting, we've allowed the snow, we've allowed COVID to stand in the way from where we're supposed to be in our place in serving God. We must go bound. This is another quote, but you can say it's from me. I'm just kidding. But this is another quote. We must go bound in our gratitude and serve God. How are we going to better serve God? Be bound in our gratitude to Him. Just like verse 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Consider how great things He hath done for you. Consider how great of a God He is. Go bound in your gratitude to be a better servant of God. I just read 24. If we consider what great things he has done for us, especially the great work of redemption, the great work of salvation. We will never lack motive in our service to God if we, if, if we realize what he did for us in redeeming us to himself. We will never lack encouragement. We'll never lack assistance in serving him. We remember what he's done for us and consider the great things that he's done. Lastly, in conclusion, church, finishing a little bit early, but I, But in verse 25, I want you to see this before we step down. Verse 25, sad verse. He says, he goes on encouraging and trying to get them to understand God's done this for you, reminding them, getting them to understand that they've rebelled against God and to turn back to Him, return to God. But in verse 25, he has this. He says, but if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. Replace that king with your idol. Whatever it be. You and your idol. The thing that you're putting in front of God, that's the thing that will consume you. It will consume you. If you still go your own way, it will consume you. After the great message that Solomon has stood up here and preached, we see there's someone in that congregation that heard that message just like all the Israelites. That was King Saul. He was present at this time. And King Saul heard the same message everyone else heard, the same, um, preaching, the same messages, the same, all this, all this right here. Saul was sitting right there listening to every bit of it. But if we go from chapter 13 all the way going into 2 Samuel, we'll see Saul make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. Self-will after self-will after self-will. His intentions, his wants, and his needs above everything else. We see he continues to go his own way until he gets to the point where he falls on his own sword. Kills himself. There in that battle we see in 2 Samuel. Every decision he makes from this point on is the wrong decision pretty much. For God says, I'm done with you. You're no longer king. I'm going to get and pick my own man. This young shepherd boy is the guy I want. Not the guy that you guys think you need. The guy I want picks his own man to become king. As we come to this point in the scriptures, we come to the point in this message, and we look at our lives. I look at my life. We're we going to be like King Saul. Or are we going to do? Are we going to continue to serve the Lord? Are we going to follow the words and the warning that we see Samuel has for us in this chapter? remind remember what he's done for us how great of a god he is god's done for more for me than my wife has god's done for more for me than my parents have god has done more for me than anybody i've ever met in this life i don't know why he loves me but he does rebel not against him who am i to rebel against god after what he's done for me who am i to turn my back on him and not do the what he's asked for me to do if if i remember what he's done for me and lastly Maybe we're in that situation tonight. Maybe you're not. Praise the Lord. Maybe you are. I believe at times we've not, we're not fully backslid. We're not fully turned our back on God and we're not, you know, we're not deep into sin. There's parts of our life that at times we let go a little bit here and there, a little bit here and there. Maybe there's something tonight. Maybe there's a time where you were closer to God than, than you were tonight. Maybe there's something we can return back, something we can give up for our Lord. Maybe tonight you just need to turn to Him. Maybe you've never accepted Him. Tonight can be your night of salvation. Are we going to be like King Saul or are we going to be the Christian that God wants us to be? Only fear the Lord and serve Him again in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, you'll be consumed, both you and your King. I'm going to pray, Pastor, you come up and finish the service however you like, but I'm just going to close this out in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for your message, for your convicting words. God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear them. I thank you for the opportunity to accept you as my Savior. God, I thank you for your conviction. But also, God, I thank you for your comfort in your Scripture and how we can, we can please you. We can, God, it's possible. Even though it seems impossible to me in my life, God, it is possible. We can live a life pleasing to you. Pray you help me in my life, God, as a father, as a husband, to please you above all things, God, as a missionary, as a preacher, as a church planner, whatever it, whatever my name tag says, God, I pray above all that I'm the servant of you and that you have my heart. I pray if there's one here tonight, God, needs, that needs to give you their heart. I pray tonight would be that night. Thank you for what you've done. Help us to consider you. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray.